We'll turn to New York City's 250,000 retired city workers who can rest a little easier, at least for now. On Friday, Manhattan State Supreme Court Judge Lyle Frank issued a permanent injunction barring the Adams administration from transferring the retirees from traditional Medicare coverage to a Medicare Advantage plan controlled by the private insurance giant Aetna. It was confusing because they were calling it Medicare Advantage, but it was private. The switch would have gone into effect on September 1st. While that won't be happening, the Adams administration has vowed to pursue an appeal to a higher court. Stephen Wishnia has covered the story closely over the past two years in the pages of The Independent and as a guest on this show. He rejoins us today to give us an update on what his latest development means. Oh, you're on the phone, Stephen? Yeah. Okay, it's... it's uh... It's uh, great to have you with us. Um, so for, uh, uh, for starters, uh, can you, uh, uh, just, uh, uh, lay out for us, uh, what the uh, city retirees, uh, won on Frank, on Friday with, uh, uh, Judge Frank's ruling? Oh, basically, uh, last month on July 7th, uh, he issued a preliminary injunction that prohibits the city from forcing retirees to either have to take Medicare Advantage or have to pay for their own Medicare. And what last Friday's order does is just makes that permanent until uh, the court, you know, the case is decided, until, you know, the lawsuit by uh, the retirees against the city's plan is decided. So, and Steve, what is the city's legal strategy at this point, and how long do you expect it will take for their appeal to actually play out? It will take a while. You know, it'll take at least several months. Uh, the city is appealing. Uh, you know, it saves them money, and the largest municipal workers unions, uh, DC thirty seven, and the teachers, along with. Uh, the sanitation workers are in favor of this because they did, uh, the teachers did a deal with the city several years ago that they would find health care savings in exchange for getting raises and not getting layoffs. Uh, although those health care savings are coming on under this plan are coming on the backs of retirees who, you know, have only limited power to vote out the leadership that approved them but yeah the city's you know approving it uh the danger of it you know if this strategy was allowed to happen is they then you know try to privatize it's you know there's a good chance they try to privatize health care coverage for uh you know all city employees i mean they say it, it doesn't affect anybody but you know that's uh, once the door is open. You guys mind if I take this call out here? Hello? Yeah. And is there any reason to think that they will fare better on appeal? How solid of a decision does Judge Frank's ruling appear to be to you? Uh, I'm kind of skeptical about the courts because it is, you know, very, you know, it is, a, you know, court decisions are supposed to be based on you know, justice and logic, but it's, you know, quite possible to come up with a system of logic that, 
persuades one judge. Uh, so, you know, this is, you know, Judge Frank has, uh, Lyle Frank, who issued the order, has been dealing with this, this case, this issue for, you know, probably a year and a half now. Uh, the reasons for issuing an injunction are generally that uh, party has asking for the injunction has a good chance of winning their suit and that they would be damaged more irreparably damaged uh, if they didn't get it uh, and that the balance of equities weighs in their favor uh, you know he said that you know they qualified on all three counts that you know losing you know having your health insurance weakened when you're over 65 you know could lead to irreparable damage uh and that the city had you know promised for decades that workers would get you know both medicare and full and a medicare supplemental plan uh when they right. retired is, is, is- and Steve, what is what is it about the Medicare Advantage plan that uh, so many retirees find objectionable? Uh, the Adams administration continues to insist uh, their approach will provide better coverage. They offer a few more things. They sometimes they offer vision and dental coverage, which uh, Medicare doesn't cover, uh, thanks to fifty Republicans and two Democrats a couple years ago. Uh, but basically it's private insurance, which means it has to make a profit. And, you know, the way private health insurance makes a profit is by, you know, making it harder to get, you know, medical care. Uh, there are, you know, fewer de- doctors or hospitals that are in network, especially out of the city and out of, places where people you often retire. Uh, there are more you know, hoops that people have to get to jump through to get uh, you know, care approved or certain procedures approved, uh, which you know, some of it is just, it could be justified saying, oh, we don't want waste, but a lot of it is if you say, oh, you have to go get approval, certain percentage either won't get it or will just give up regardless of the effect on their health. Uh, you know, it's for-profit care and it's not as widespread as Medicare. You know, if you got sick, you know, in Colorado, the odds are a lot smaller that, you know, if you had to go to the emergency room, you know, that would be, you know, in an in-network hospital or if you had to have surgery, uh, you know, the hospital might be in network, but the anesthesiologist wouldn't be. So, you know, basically it's, you know, the universal American battle against, uh, you know, for, you know, full health care against for-profit health care. Right. And the retirees are also appealing to city council to take actions. What is it that they want the council to do? Uh, pass a law saying that, you know, codifying that, you know, city retirees are entitled to medic to full Medicare, okay. which okay, and, uh, and Steve, has some supporters, but the council leadership and the Adams administration have not supported it yet. 
Right. And in national politics, Steve, uh, going after retiree benefits and, and health care coverage uh, is generally seen as a career killer to be vo- avoided at all costs, given that seniors vote at disproportionately high rates and are very protective of that, those uh, benefits. Uh, in Washington, at least, even the Repul- Republicans insist they would never do such a dastardly thing, at least to those people who are already over 65 years old. Uh, why do you think Eric Adams has embraced uh, this effort with such fervor? I would disagree with you about okay. the Republicans, but they would blanch, but they would. I mean, uh, sure. I mean, Trump has made a whole stick out of uh, insisting he would he would he wouldn't. Uh, you know, do these things. Well, you. So at least take... rhetorically, they feel like they have to pay homage to this. But uh, you know, focusing here on New York, why do you think Adams is uh, charged right into this? Uh, it saves money. Uh huh. And okay. I guess I mean I don't know if people you know are regretting that they pushed this so hard, given the level of opposition. I think they thought like. We can get it by by just saying like, oh, you know, people will get like, you know, silver sneakers, gym memberships, and it's actually going to save money. But you know, I don't know if they regret it, but you know, they pushed it this far, you know, right? To, you know, it's to save money. Uh, Got it. Um, and also, Steve, uh, before you go, um, I want to pivot to the uh, strikes. Uh, the labor strikes by the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild that are uh, rocking the television, film, and streaming industries. In the August print edition of The Independent, you have an article titled Hollywood is a Union Town, but it's complicated. Uh, I raise this because in our next segment, we're going to speak with a SAG-AFTRA uh, strike captain here in New York and also hear from strikers who were on the uh, picket line this morning. Uh, but for now, can you give us a, a short synopsis of how Hollywood became so thoroughly unionized, as well as how anti-communist red baiting was used to weaken the the unions in Hollywood? Uh, yeah, it became uh, the first people to unionize were people, who, you know, stage crew, you know, film crew type people, car, you know, carpenters who built set sets and things like that, and that goes back to 1918 or before, and that was uh, IATSE, International Association of Theatrical and Stage Employees, and then writers and actors joined in the early 1930s when the studios were you know, trying to cut pay drastically and you know people had had enough. So Hollywood was pretty thoroughly unionized by the end of the 1930s. It took them a while to win their first, you know, contract. Uh, the problem, you know, that happened was Yahtzee, uh, around 1934, got, you know, taken over by organized crime. So they were doing, you know, sweetheart contracts with studios uh, in exchange you know, for... You know, and the leadership was you know, taking bribes to to do that, uh, and that led to a strike by a rival union, in which a lot of you know Yahtzee members refused to cross picket side picket lines in 1945. That you know, ended with a combination of 
cops and mob goons, you know, breaking up a picket line, and eventually that your know, rival union was locked out and destroyed, and then you know within a year was the you know eruption of you know rabid anti-communism in the industry. You know there were congressional hearings on you know subversion in the uh, in the film industry, and basically anybody you know who is a leftist who'd ever you know signed a petition against lynching or given money to support the anti-fascists in the Spanish Civil War was guilty by association of being a communist and therefore, you know, somebody who is trying to undermine and destroy the American way of life. And a lot of the most militant people in the unions uh, were blacklisted, you know, for most of the next, at least, Generally, until the blacklist didn't really end until around 1960. So we got it, and and one of the people who joined in the red baiting was actually the Screen Actors Guild uh, president, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And, uh, who anything you want to add about that? Liberal, but I don't know his psychology. Uh, some people say that it was the influence of his wife. Uh, of Nancy Reagan, his second wife, and that his his first wife had left him uh, because he had crossed a picket line. Uh, he felt that you know he, that the stagehand, you know, backstage crew going on strike and interfering with movie production affected his income. He might have felt that. Uh, he said that he had received you know threats of violence, but. Uh, given Ronald Reagan's relationship with the truth, I don't know how much credibility I'd give that. Right. Uh, well, I for those of you who recommend were, uh, uh, around in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan was, you know, famous for embellishing stories and claiming that he had done things that he hadn't. <laughs> right. Uh, certainly, um, in his uh, starring role in the White House. Uh, We'll have to leave it there, but I certainly encourage everyone who is able to pick up a copy of this month's Independent to check out uh, Steve's article on the on the history of the Hollywood uh, labor unions and the labor movement in the film and television industry. It's a really fascinating history. Uh, Steve, as always, it's been great to have you join us today on the Independent News Hour. All right, thanks a lot, John. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. All right, we'll be back after this short break uh, with uh, Peter Carlini. Uh, Indie film critic, uh, SAG after a member, and union strike captain. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from 9 to 5 
watch him shatter You're just a step on the boss man's ladder But you've got dreams he'll never take away You're on the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day your ship will come in And the 